You're listening to Proselytize. Or Proselytize. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the show, and joining me today is my friend David Russell. What's up, David? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? And on the Skype line, we have Rob Lundberg. Hello? His wife didn't let him come today. Thanks, oh, no, Mrs. Hey, Lundberg. That up. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we're thankful that we have technology today. Yes. So we don't have we don't have any non Christians on the show today. I think we, we scared them off with all our our good apologetics, so they they don't want to come back on. Our our, our one apologetic <laughs> show so far. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well the reason yeah, we, we just yeah, the reason we're just doing a um, a Christian show today, or or just between Christians, is because we're going to be talk uh, tackling an important topic, one that was inevitably going to come up, but I was kind of trying to avoid. But I was like, if we're it's it's going to come up eventually, so let's just hit it right on with the whole episode, dude. You were not trying to avoid this, man. <laughs> you were like baiting it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I did want to bring it up eventually, um, and it's the question of how old the Earth is. Uh, and, and oh well, I got the answer. Our, Right now, four point six billion years. Four point. Okay. All right. We're done. No, I'm kidding. Show's over, guys. <laughs> Rob might. Rob might not agree with that one. Uh, but we're gonna. We're gonna get into all the details of that a little bit later. Um, first of all, anything cool happened in your week, David? Anything notable? Well, how, how long has it been since we actually did this? Probably like three weeks since I last know, year. I know. Um, yeah, we had a pretty interesting go around. We had some guy walk into our facility with a katana to his back. Um, one of the shorter ones, more, more like the size of a machete, but definitely, uh, threatening a couple of our guys and, and we had to get them sent to the mental ward. But I mean, that's the, the most exciting thing. So, you, uh, and, otherwise, and who, it's been it's been it's been nasty and dreary and rainy. So you're a security <laughs> guard for what again? FDIC. So they were threatening the people in there. They were threatening one of our sergeants. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's pretty rough. We got a we got a phone ringing. We got a phone it's ringing all good. in the background. Ignore him. Okay. Ignore him. Or turn it off. <laughs> we'll so, figure it out. What do you guys? Um, what do you guys think about the whole Lauren Daigle controversy that came up uh, a week or two ago? Did you hear about that, David? I did. I did. Um, I mean, I don't really have any thoughts. I didn't pay attention too much to it. Yeah, basically so. the long and short of it was Lauren Daigle, the, the contemporary Christian music star. Can I play? Star. What's that? Can I play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of the story, what actually happened, then I want to get your take on it. But she, <laughs> she was asked if she thinks that homosexuality is a sin, um, and I think it kind of came out of her being on the Ellen show, and um, and so she was asked it, and she said, oh, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not God, I, I don't know if it's a sin or not, and she got into a lot of hot water uh, because of that, and there's been a lot of different responses. What, what do you think, Rob? Well, I, one thing, um, it wasn't necessarily because of the Ellen show. I think that's what prompted it. Oh, but really? she was involved in an interview on the radio with a guy who was basically not a Christian, but he was part of a journal, happened to be, well, he was a Christian in a non-Christian journal. Uh-huh. And what he did was he, he pointed out that situation uh, with her being on the Ellen show, and that's when she gave her answer. Uh-huh. Now, um there are a lot of Christians that barbecued her, you know, they, they, and I don't agree with her answer uh-huh. by, by any means, but I don't think that the, um, I don't think the answer that, that we should be given, I think should be redemptive. Yeah. I don't think you have a whole lot of good theology and a lot of contemporary Christian music as it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of it is I'm on an adventure with God. It's all about me. Um, love songs type stuff. You really don't have a whole lot of good theology. I like Lauren Daigle's music because there is some good theology in it. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I think because she's young, and I think because she probably hasn't had good teaching, is probably why she got her gave her answer that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she needs to be taught, and I hope that she's open to being taught on this, and then being taught how to answer this question. And then, and there is an answer. And yeah. the whole thing is um, that 
with the way the culture is going, uh, there's a wide chasm between truth and being. I mean, it's it's a vast chasm. And what we'd have to do is we have to basically tailor our answer, not necessarily give it. And you might want to we might want to do a show on this one, too, yeah. because I've had a couple situations at work where we've gone and uh, addressed this issue, issue basically. Um, the question was about Lauren Daigle. I think we need to be redemptive as evangelicals, but at the same time, we need to hold fast to truth and the fact, knowing that she is wrong in her answer, but we have to be reconciliatory as well. Yeah, I think that's a good response, and I think we've seen this happen with other artists like Gunger and even with Lecrae. When um, they start saying certain things, they just get hammered by by the Christian world, and it makes them actually withdraw more from the conservative Christian world rather than you know have some dialogue between them and fig- figure things out a little better so hopefully hopefully things will get a little better with lauren because i yeah like you said i love her music it's she's so talented and that that makes you wonder if she if she does really understand the theology theology she's singing yeah yeah you know what i mean so i mean i guess it shows the state of our church you know yeah we'll just have to see how that one pans out um but yeah that's not what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the age of the earth um if if my stomach is protruding a little bit it's because i just ate two spicy chicken deluxe sandwiches or one and three quarter from chick-fil-a my wife ordered ordered a sandwich and uh then she wanted to eat my salad so i had to give her my salad and eat her sandwich but this really funny thing happened which shows you how much creatures of habit we are so (laughs) i was ordering my sandwich and this lady comes up beside me and she has these leather boots on right and the the lady behind the counter uh, at the at the register, she was like, "Oh, I like your boots." The Chick Fil A worker was like, "I like your boots," and the other lady was the customer was like, "Oh, thanks," and she responded with, "My pleasure." <laughs> so I thought that was a really awkward response to a, a thanks yeah. on a compliment of the yeah, boots, right? but it's probably just so ingrained in them that whenever they hear thank you, it's just my pleasure. So I thought yeah. that was kind of a funny story. Oh yeah, I know I know how it is with me when I you know I have to greet customers all the time and our clients all the time and. Uh, and that's one of the things you you know you, you kind of like rehearse what you're gonna say, and, and then once you know after a while it's just habit. Yeah, you know everything. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it, it's so bad that when a female drives up, uh-huh. you say, "Good morning, sir." Yeah, that's you're like oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah and then no you get kidding. that awkward feeling, and 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 then you think about it, rehearse it in your head over and over again. Like, man, I should have did this, you know. Yeah. Then, yeah no <laughs> or what's worse is when you get the gender wrong accidentally. And and they know it because they've probably had it happen to them before. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you guys? Oh, yeah. You're yeah. not talking about a third gender now. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's not even go All there. Right. Back to the age Rabbit's of the trails. earth. Back to the age of the earth. All right, so so just a little bit of background on, on where I come from this. Um, I grew up in, in a Christian setting where we were just fed Ken Ham's young earth creationism model. And, you know, even when I was a teenager, for some reason we got so into Ken Ham, like we would, I've been to the Creation Museum a bunch of times, we would watch videos like little teenage nerds on Ken Ham debating other people, you know, and so it was just, my understanding was... If you're a good Christian, you will believe young earth creationism. There's no if you compromise on that issue, um, it, it is a it's a big problem. And so that's honestly how I got introduced to apologetics is basically young earth creationism, AIG type apologetics. And it wasn't until a couple years ago when I started reading um, some other guys like William Lane Craig and some other apologists who uh, might not quite becoming from a young earth creationism perspective, but actually have uh, really good arguments for the existence of God and truth and the truth of Christianity coming at it from other angles that, uh, you know, the secular world will take much more seriously. And it's when I started reading guys like that, that I started wondering, Hey, you know, is, is, is coming at this from such a dogmatic young earth creationism perspective really going to get us anywhere in engaging um, skeptics and and atheists? And so at this moment, I'm a complete open book. Like I honestly, since, since being indoctrinated with young earth creationism, I haven't looked back into the issue. 
I've looked at like the historical case for the gospels. I've looked at the arguments for the resurrection and, and you know, some philosophical arguments for God, the Kalam argument and those things. But I've just kind of been invo- avoiding the scientific thing, maybe because I'm not really a scientist oriented type guy anyways, but I've been kind of avoiding that. So here's, this is my opportunity to listen to you guys discuss it. And hopefully it'll take me at least a step forward in figuring out where I actually land on it. Okay. So, good. so let's do this. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, why do you guys think that so many Christians see young earth creationism as an essential doctrine? Like if you deny young earth creationism, I mean, coming back to musicians, I know when Gunger said that he denied young earth creationism, he got hammered by the Christian world. And then later he left basically anything orthodox because of, I think, how they treated him when he when he left that perspective. So why do you think that young earthers, or why do you think so many people see this as an essential thing? Well, well let's get this straight first. I mean, many don't, uh-huh. right? Like I was, <laughs> you know, we we're talking about earlier. Many don't. Me and Rob, for one. I mean, we don't even specialize in this area because it's it's a secondary issue. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a secondary issue, and I think uh, Titus, when you opened up with the fact that you uh, were raised with AIG, when I was in seminary, um, I, I was I took a Genesis one through one through eleven class, and the predominant view was really based on a <clears throat> a biblical model, uh, Bishop Usher. Um, Oh, wow. You know, I'm I'm a I'll, I'm I'm a professed young earther, but I'm not because of Ken Ham. Uh, so, Rob, you're talking I, about I go to it from the perspective of the fact that if you look at some of the scientific facts that are out there, I think that um, I think David and I, you know, David I know comes from a different paradigm, and you know, this, since you're the open book, you're going to have to just weigh what we each yeah what we each come forward with. Um, but I think with regards to um, the young earth position, I think a lot of the influences come from Ken Ham. Yeah. And yeah, a lot yeah, of it has come from AIG. And, you know, they're doing a great thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they're doing a really good thing from a biblical model. But I think if um, you look at it from that presuppositional biblical model and say that the, uh, that the only source of truth for determining the age of the earth is the Bible. That's where I part with them. Yeah. Uh, I think there's other tools that we can use, as well as scripture, to show um, the days, the age of the earth. I'm an, I'm an old universe young earther by scientific perspectives. Okay. And that's, yeah, we'll, you know, go you ahead, know I find that actually very confusing, but I want to hear right, it. We're going to, we're going really to, we're going to come back to the nitty gritty. Did you have some? Yeah, I, I did. I, I, you know, one of the things is I think a lot of people are standoffish when it comes to anything other than young earth, because that means that if, if they admit that things are 4.6 billion years old or 13.8 billion years old, that then it, then it gives rise that they have to accept evolution or it puts that evolutionary paradigm in in play which what they don't realize is even on old earth view it doesn't allow for adequate time for the type of evolution that we would be against to occur Mm -hmm. so you would be a progressive creationist or an old earth creationist in that you would believe in an old earth but not mac revolution is that correct absolutely yeah yeah we're going to come back to that and tease out both of you guys's views um but first of all i want to get you guys's views on inerrancy of scripture because um maybe less with with rob since he has a little more of a conservative view but with you david someone might be saying oh he believes in an old earth because he doesn't believe that scripture is inerrant so uh, what what do you what would you say david to that kind of a a response i'm going to pull one of rob's famous lines here uh what do you mean by inerrancy? <laughs> I don't know that that word can mean so many things. Just just mm-hmm. give me your your view on scripture. What is scripture? How is it authoritative? Okay. All right. So I believe the Bible is inerrant in its original autographs, mm-hmm. and I think Rob would hold to the same. Amen. Um, yeah, I would agree. Um, yep. Um, and I hold to it for two reasons. Is is and it's really simple. One, it's never let me down. Mm-hmm. From what I from what it's done, it's this is a, an expounding on the on the first point is that. Uh, I mean, it, it gets many things that I see scientifically and historically correct. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's never let me down. So those would be the two reasons I hold to it the most. And I, I, like I said, it, every, every time I need truth, it comes through. Okay. 
Yeah, so what do you, another question is, what What do you guys think the genre of Genesis 1 is? Is it supposed to be literal, and we'll, we'll come to this maybe more later, but is it supposed to be literal history, or is it more poetry or metaphor? Because one thing I've heard of is, is that Genesis 1 was not, um, it wasn't, really addressing the creation evolution modern debate because it wasn't in 2018 but it was in with a certain culture and time and what it was actually addressing was a babylonian creation account about marduk killing his adversary and making the heavens with part of her carcass and the earth with part of the carcass and and that genesis was coming along and giving a more beautiful picture of, of creation or but w- would you guys what, no, in the ancient near east uh you know Genesis was oral before it was ever written down. Um, it, it comes from an oral culture. And if you just look at the political landscape and you look at, at uh, the, the history involved when Genesis is actually going on, you'll see same – it's the same time as, as those other ancient Near Eastern myths. You know? um, and, and even Genesis is almost set up – in a way I look at it – uh, and I and I think we can make a case for this, and, and it has been made uh, that there's a little bit of an apologetic when you say "and God, and God, and God." It's correcting the myths. Yeah. You know, it's a competing worldview at that time. So you're saying it was addressing? Well, here's here's another thing that you got to look at it too. Um, I believe in mosaic authorship of Genesis, uh-huh. and if you look at Moses's background and where he come from, a baby born put in the bulrushes in a basket, picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, trained in the halls of the Pharaoh, uh, grown up, uh, um, not taking anything out of the Disney movie, you know, the Prince of Egypt, but, you know, there's, you know, he, you can probably make a, use some sanctified imagination with that to go and say that he grew up ultimately to ultimately killing uh, an Egyptian and all of a sudden being banished and scripture doesn't uh, go in, into a whole lot of detail about how all that happened. Yeah. But Moses actually came from uh he was raised in a polytheistic culture. Yeah. And when you look at the very opening verses, it says, Bereshith uh, Elohim Barah. What you have there is Elohim, which is one God in a plural form, a plural of majesty in the Hebrew syntax, with a third person singular verb. Now, that just doesn't make sense to our American grammar, our English grammar. But what he was actually doing was I think he was going and putting the damper on anything polytheistic. And he was saying, in the beginning, one God who manifests himself, however he disclosed himself to Moses in that time. It's interesting that he uses a plural form of the name of, of God there, Elohim, and he uses a third person, like it would be like, uh, uh, Titus ate chicken tonight, you know, and, you know, you got voice and number in the verb, verb. so it's either a plural verb or a singular verb. That's a singular verb there for one God in a plural form. So what I think Moses is doing is I think he's, he's, he's putting to bed the the fact of the polytheistic culture is not the true culture as david was saying it was a uh, an apologetic but uh to answer your question um i I believe it's historical narrative um the question is um the the words that are that are used david brought in a great point with regards to and god and god said and god said and god said but you know uh those are those lines of demarcation as far as the days are concerned yeah, and so Dave, you would say so it's historical narrative as well. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. and uh, I think the true question we need to ask is, is not, uh, you know, just what type of genre it is, but how do we read it? Yeah. For the simple fact is, I think we need to read it like ancient Hebrews. Mm-hmm. We need to understand the Hebrew, mm-hmm. and not read it with an English-speaking Westerner mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Luther said this. He said. If I were younger, I would want to learn this language, Hebrew, of course, uh, for without it, one can never properly understand the Holy Scripture. For that reason, they have said correctly, the Jews drink out of the original spring. The Greeks drink out of the stream flowing out of the stream. The Latins, however, 
out of the puddle. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's right on. That's um, right on. And 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 with that in mind, uh, for my view, I think I think that perspective, the old Earth view, provides a not only an accurate picture of the Hebrew, but I think it provides a uh, truly consistent basis with the Book of Nature. Um, I think looking at Genesis from a young earth view just makes complete nonsense of scientific data. Okay, and I'm sure Rob, I'm sure <laughs> Rob would like to challenge that. I know he but would. but before you challenge that claim directly, let, let's just Rob hear your um, overview of why you believe in a young earth and an old universe. Um, give, do you believe in this primarily for biblical or scientific reasons? And do you think that belief in an old earth could even be biblically justified, or um, does the text demand a, a young earth? So, so just give us kind of in a nutshell what the sci- some of the scientific reasons are for why you believe what you believe and just kind of how you got to that, that point. And then we'll come back to David. The answer to your first question was yes. Okay, both. <laughs> um, both scientific and biblical. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think I, I, I would not appeal to the age of the earth from biblical reasons. Okay. I don't think it's there. Is, isn't there a verse that says that the earth is 6,000 years? No. no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> There's not. Um, I think if you look at the atomic clocks that we've had for over a few decades now, and if you measured the Earth's spin rate to the nearest billionth of a second, having consistency uh, that's found in the Earth slowing down at a rate at almost one second per year. If uh, the Earth were billions of years old, its initial spin rate would have been fantastically rapid so that so rapid that the major distortion in the shape of the earth would have occurred Um, if you look at the direct measurements of the earth's magnetic field over the past say 150 160 years they show a steady state and rapid decline in its strength this decay pattern is consistent with the theoretical view that there is an electrical current inside the earth which produces a magnetic field and if this is correct if this is correct then if you take 25,000 years ago the electrical current would have been so vast that the earth's structure uh, could not have survived the heat produced and this would imply that the earth could not be older than than 25,000 uh, years of age. That's Thomas Barnes and its origin and destiny of the magnetic field. Um, if you look at the atmosphere um, at, at, as less than uh, 40,000 years worth of helium, based on just the production of helium from the decay of uranium and thorium, thorium there is no known means by which large amounts of helium can escape the atmosphere. The atmosphere appears to be young so those are just three things i've got a whole list of these things that we could get into i don't think we have time but i just want to bring those in i have a problem with anybody that says that the earth is young for biblical reasons uh what they do is they take bishop usher who tried to trace the creation uh account at 4004 bc and then if you go and you look at all of the uh the uh genealogies in the old testament and all there's gaps in the genealogies of the old testament um and then the then the 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 (laughs) question i think we would have to ask from a biblical perspective and from a theological perspective is what kind of god do we believe in um, I know, I know David's answer, and he and I are in agreement on that. I'm not challenging anybody's view of this, but I had a Jewish rabbi several years ago ask me this question with regards to this, and he was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. Now, the Jewish rabbis they take the pattern of the Genesis days very literally because this is where we get our our, our patterns for our weeks. That's a biblical perspective. But he looked at me. I, I was writing a paper, and I think I was writing the paper. This was in 1995. Uh, I was writing the paper on the old earth, and I, on, on the age of the earth. And uh, I'm not going to put a number on it. I, I, I can't. But I think it shows it's young, how young. Um, at one point in time, I'm kind of like 10 to 12,000. It may be a little bit more, give or take a couple uh, thousand, but um, 
Yeah. I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's problematic. I think David said something. I think it's uh, problematic that somebody could hold to a an old universe and um, and and a young earth perspective. I don't think that's problematic at all because when you have in the beginning God created uh, and God said, let there be light. I believe that was a big bang. Now, when that bang happened in the annals per- that, that ended eternity, where there was timelessness, there was no time to when time began, I think, you know, you could put the earth, the creation of what we have today, anywhere in that timeline with that universe expanding. So I don't think it's problematic that the universe, one universe out of many, of course, you know, David and I, we've probably heard the theories of and probably run into people, atheists, that have gone and said, well, you know, what about all these multiverses? You know, uh, the fact that there's multiple universes. Well, if they had a beginning, then the earth has the universe has beginning. But back to my question, do we believe that God could have created uh, a earth in a short period of time, in a short period of days, is he infinite enough to be able to create however he wants to create? I think the answer to that for me is yes. I think that that falls in line with that. Um, A question that I have for uh, somebody, and I know the show is not dealing with the, um, the days of Genesis, but with a biblical question, um, if the days are long, um, then Adam uh, did not live a full day in day six. And here's why. Because if you look at um, uh, day six when man was created, man and woman were created on day six. Um, and then over in Genesis chapter five, it says that Adam's years were 950, 930 years, and then he died. Um when did Adam enter the literal time-space continuum of a literal day for Moses to record that, that he was, you know, that's, that's a problem for old earth, long day, age dayers, I, I think, with that. So I'm okay, going to drop the mic and let David chime in sure, here. Sure, sure. David, what, look, first of all, well, I'll, I'll let you just take it from here. You can either respond <laughs> yeah. directly to what he well, said or you can well, give I'm going to I'm going to give a, a little bit of both. Um, intro, yeah. Measuring decay rates, as Rob was w- with his, w- the, the evidence he just gave, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of issue with calibration. You have to get calibration right, okay? And I've, I've heard that view, and I know that when you're talking about electromagnetism and, and things like that, that's, it's not perfected. You know, and if you get even good science miscalibrated when you're dating, you're going to be way off. That's why me and Rob, me and Rob, been talking before that, uh, um, you know, Mount St. Helens was given some crazy readings. Yeah. You know, when that when that got destruct, you know, when that destruction came through, mm-hmm. and that's one thing you're going to have to realize. I'm an evidence guy when it comes to this. I believe God's given us two books, mm-hmm. just like Rob said, uh, and I'm just going to make it simpler. In that way, he gave a nice explanation. Um, I believe God gave us the, the book of Revelation of of the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, and he gave us the book of nature. Um, I'm the, the astronomer in me, because I love astronomy. I studied it for a very long time. The astronomy that, you know, that that aspect of who I am, I, I really tend to, to gravitate towards Hugh Ross and reasons to believe. So, I mean, I am, I am almost lockstep because it makes the most sense. Yeah. And I've got 40... Uh, and because I'm an evidence guy, I mean, we've got over 40 methods of radiometric dating that all point to an old Earth. We have numerous non-radiometric dating, such as ice samples that date back to 8,000 years old, um, tree rings, 15,000. We got coral reefs that range from 140,000 to 190, and then we have lake varve sediment, which is 15 to 20 million. You know, and now, you know, we would, you know, there's obviously other, other forms of dating. So, you know, you do thermal luminescence, but it's all measuring decay rate. Okay. And that's, and that's how it works. And if you get the, if you get the calibration off, then A, that's, that's, that, that presents a problem. B, then you have to stuff beyond our radiometric dating. Um, you know, sometimes the, the, the numbers just go high and low and it's really, you have to, you have to rein it in. You have to, you know, there's a lot of work. 
mm-hmm. to it, and a lot of it's not perfected, but a lot of it is really good and reliable. Mm-hmm. How would yeah, you I respond think, to what? Think, can I, how would can you I respond to what Rob you? said about the Earth spinning? And, That's what I just said. Okay, the, so yeah. so so are you applying the same skepticism towards some of the dating methods that Rob Absolutely. would apply yeah. to to the uh, old Earth? You would apply that to the few that. Um, point to a younger yeah, because I, I think I well I in in dating are we choosing what we're skeptical about or what? And no I think I think it's where the evidence goes right mm-hmm. and like I said that dating that that he was just presenting I think you know it's it's not a it, it's it hasn't been perfected yet um matter of fact uh I just heard some some people commenting on it not too long ago that they were questioning some finds they just recently found by using some of those not not the speed and stuff like that but the the um electromagnet part of it um and they were like we can't use this yet you know what i mean so i mean and that that's fine um but as far as where i think the evidence is tipping the scales here is in old earth Mm -hmm. so that's why i would hold to that so how would you respond to that rob well i don't think this is a salvation issue for one (laughs) right (laughs) you know i think it's a good coffee talk like what we're having here without the coffee but um you know, um, I've I've heard Hugh Ross. I've seen Hugh Ross talk at the National Apologetics Conference. Hugh's a very godly. He's very humble. Uh, he holds his position. And I watched I watched uh, 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 Jay. Um, uh, what's his name from um, Answers in Genesis or from um, a Young Earth position um, debate? Hugh Ross. They were both gracious about the whole thing. Um, I don't. I, I think David's right with regards to the fact of you know if you get your calibration off, I think you got problems. Mm-hmm. I and and you were absolutely correct in assessing David and my position, Titus, when you said, well, you know, is are you using the same thing? Or, you know, are you skeptical? You guys are skeptical of each other's starting points as far as or or where we are as far as you know the data and all. Uh, I would hold to a young. He would hold to an old. And I think the tools as far as. Um, you know, the rubidium strontium, the carbon-14, the potassium argon, and, and all these other dating methods as far as, like, if you were looking at dating fossils, for example, uh, you don't know when the, when the decay started. You don't know when the, when the creature, whatever that thing that died, actually died, and when the decay actually started kicking in to be able to determine. And, and those who are on the, and neither one of us are holding to evolution here, but I'm sure that if David talked to a macroevolutionist and I would talk to macroevolutionists, we'd be coming from the same platform going and talking about the fact of, of you know, how they, they fudge the facts to try and prove something. Now, David would probably lean a little bit further, lean toward them because he holds to an older Earth model than I would, but I've, I, I wish I had it with me. I wish I had the, the paper with me. I'm still looking for it in my, my, my hard drive. You but, know. Um, I Can have I some, some of the... Um, some of the the radiometric clock okay, go ahead. has to be has to be uh, uh, looked at to yeah yeah well I mean we, we know and this is this is why I love this type of discussion because I, I love radiometric dating um, we know the decay rate I mean uh, carbon 14 only only has you can only date I mean you're not even going to be doing most of you, a, a lot of fossils with with uh, carbon-14 a lot of your older ones um they usually use thermal luminescence but uh when you're talking about anything between fifty thousand years ago they're going to use carbon-14 because we're so good at understanding how the decay rate works it's got a half-life then it's got a half-life then it's got a half-life and it just keeps going down so we, we understand that so it, it and like i said i mean everything has to do with calibration too so but as far as that goes i think we have a good method with that um, so, I mean, that's probably where we part ways a little bit on there. So what I'm hearing kind but, of, yeah. what I'm hearing, and, and correct me if you're wrong, this is definitely an oversimplification, but David, is, is what you're saying that, okay, we've got a, a big pile of dating methods here that point to an old earth. You said 40 different types or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then, and, and Rob presented a few things, like a few facts that would point to a 
young Earth, and you're just saying that that pile is much smaller. Is that your? Is that the basic case you're making? Well, I mean, yeah, I think there's more evidence leaning one way than the other. Yeah. So, yeah. W- would you say that that's correct, Rob, or or would you say that you've got the bigger pile of of dating methods? <laughs> I I think that we have to be very careful of the greater to lesser fallacy with regards yeah. to this. Yeah. I think that if you true. Yeah, you know, the greater to lesser fallacy could be, uh, or the lesser to greater can really come in. The lesser to greater would be the one that I would be committing. The greater to lesser is what David would be committing. You know, um, I, I think God has put enough out there to make faith in Him a most reasonable proposition, mm-hmm. and I think the fact that the 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 book of the general revelation um, creates a lot of excitement. So going and finding and discovering, and I think this is what brings these conversations yeah, into the play. You Did know, you, uh, yeah. I, I like I said, I'm not a scientist, and, and you know, David likes astronomy. I love astronomy. If I only had a great telescope, a good telescope, I'd be out there sitting on my car with it, going and looking up well, at the stars and seeing the heavens. <laughs> not, not tonight, no, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you know. You can you can look at all the scientific facts from the uh, you know and there's a whole lot more that's out there for the young Earth position, um, and a lot of these guys they go and look at Ken and they say well that's nice Ken, um, you know we've got this you know and then Ken's got some guys in his in AIG's ministry that are right along with him that are backing up his whole presuppositional fact that if you don't believe God's word then you're heathen you know. Um, Hey Rob, let me just reinforce your fact. You know, let me just reinforce you with with that that too. Is is it's a it, what we're talking about is an over, oversimplification because if we were to jump in each and every one, like like Rob was saying, we'd be here all night. Um, and I could take you through all the different ones. I as far as me, I think that's where the evidence is because I I believe in it. I've seen, uh, you know, I've read about it. I read it up on a lot of different ones. Um, um, and I'm sure Rob has too. Um, and, and I am also reinforcing him that, you know, if I have 40, they could all, if they're all wrong, they're wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And he has the one that's right and it's right. Then it's right. You know what I mean? But, it, you know, it just, just wanted to reinforce that. So why don't you address some of the biblical challenges to an old earth that Rob presented at the beginning? I think it was something to do with Adam and and the seventh day, and and maybe um, there's a few others, Rob, that that you said that were would be a a challenge to. That's really the only one I think. Okay, Um, you know, you could take. um, I guess yeah, you did say there. Yeah, that's really the only one because then the other ones that are are that are hermeneutically hermeneutical issues and the where the, the human hermeneutical debate is is the word yom and how it's presented yom is the hebrew word for day yeah and yeah. of course you know i've got scriptural reference for that but that's not the subject and unless we want to tackle that at another time but so rob what you're saying is not that the bible necessarily pushes for young earth you're saying that although you might be admitting that you have Maybe a smaller pile of dating than David. You're just saying your pile is better. Is I'm I'm just trying no, to simplify no, that, this discussion. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying I, that yeah, at all. That's what we're trying to tell you is that there's no way to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's you know we like you said it's a greater lesser fallacy at that point, and we don't want to we don't want to commit that fallacy. We want to give you good evidence. Sure. So, for example. I don't know what he was to- you were talking about with the seventh day problem. You said something about Adam. Uh, oh, not, just, not the seventh day. It's actually the day six. Okay, yeah. Day six. Yeah, we okay, don't need to. Day six? If you want to talk about that, Rob, or we can talk about something else, it's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, well, I mean, this is part um, of the discussion, so we're, yeah, I think we're good. Um, yeah. Um, I've asked a age dayer. I actually asked Paul Copan this in 1995. A year um, after I was born. Because Paul is, Paul is along the majority. Which is what David holds. <laughs> um, yeah. um, if you take day six, uh, it says um, God created man in His image and His likeness. In His image, He created in male and female in the image of God. He created them mm-hmm. in His likeness. Okay, so all right, that's day six. And then there was evening. There was morning. There was one day. All right, yeah. um, or the sixth day. Now. In Genesis chapter 5, verses right around verses 3 and 4, it says that Adam's years 
were 930. Let's see if I can find it real quickly here. Pull out my small sword. Um, if, it's, if it's within 50 years, I'm uh, sure none of I know. I know what you're getting at. You know what I'm getting at, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if you look at that, and 900, yeah, it, it says that the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Now, all right, if the day is long, if it's a thousand years, then Adam did not live a full day. Let's say a day is like, well, a, you know, they, with the, the passage that a lot of people take out of context, a day is like a thousand, thousands yeah, like a day. That's yeah. not, that's totally taken out of context. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would say the same thing. We're, we're looking at, we're looking at the days in increments of time. One day is going to be longer than one day, another day. They're, they're, all the well, Hebrew is I suggesting. Like what, I, I got to go back and I think we need to go back and watch John Lennox's uh, seven we days that, that, uh, that divide the world because we, I like how he puts it in there that the days aren't calculable as far yeah. as, as how and, and it is. Now, granted, the Hebrews, most Hebrew scholars might, will Hebrew, tell you that too. The, the Hebrews might um, go and calculate their days, evening, morning, one day, evening, yeah. morning, two days, and so on and so forth. But the question of Genesis is how long were those days? Not all of them, I don't think, are consistent. Yeah. And so, that's what I was about to say. I mean, we both have but, a problem. I think there's another problem on day six as well. You know, I mean, it can't be a 24-hour period, obviously. For the simple fact is, how is he going to name all those animals in 24 hours and be lonely and be lonely? Hold on. Let me finish. And be lonely and be lonely. Name all the animals. Okay. A Cultivate day. a garden. Cultivate a garden that God plants, which we know the Hebrew says it sprouts up. So it germinates and sprouts up. And it's obviously a season, and because, and, and this is my point: is the Hebrew doesn't. Uh, there's no textual holding to it being a 24-hour day, and I think we've already covered that. But that, that's that's another problem that well, I. That's have. another subject. Yeah, another yeah. Show, we, we could I'm hang sure. out. We could hang out on this for a while. I, I do want to. The question kinda, is, but if, you know, even Adam said at long say, last. Let's just say you know that it is a literal day. All right. It, well, well, let's say that it's not. All right. So Moses records 930 years of Adam's life, and then he then he gives up the ghost. He dies. Yeah. When did Adam, if it's not a literal day, when did Adam enter a literal time-space continuum of a literal day for Moses to record that? I don't think I understand the question. So, so are, well, 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 couldn't, couldn't it, just it just be towards, towards the, end the end of that? that? It's it's nothing. Towards the, we say it's toward, towards the end of the sixth day that he is when he comes about. We're talking about you I'm know talking about progressive creation, right? I mean, we're talking, talking about, about progressive how long creation. he lived and when he died. So I mean, a I mean, we don't even know what what chart Moses was using when he was talking about how many years he lived, right? We don't know the dating method that he's using, right? However, 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 we say he was born. He was he was created in that in that the dawning hours of, of the sixth day. So I mean I don't I don't understand where the problem is there. Yeah, I don't really see the issue with that either. Um, it, he's it, David is saying it's an age. It's an age. Six days yeah. in age, and, and he already, he was born and died at some point in that age. Would, would you say the age is still continuing? Yeah. The well, age of the sixth. the sixth day? No, no. God rested on the seventh, then Adam and it doesn't close out. Than, What's really funny is if you read Genesis. We have evening and morning, and then it closes, right? We don't have that in the seventh day. So, Ron, how long <laughs> do you think the sick day was? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Either. I mean, I, I can't calculate. Um, I, like I said, I don't look at it like that. I don't look at uh, trying to calculate it based off of the Bible, and I think me and Rob both have kind of fleshed that out. You know, we don't, you know, they could be different. But see, be if, if it wasn't it a literal be, you know, day, then Adam lived actually longer than 930 years. You're saying that Adam lived the whole six days, what you're saying, Rob. You're saying that's what the text indicates? No, I'm saying that he was created on day six, and he lived 930 years later. But then you're coming back to what does a day actually mean? That, that's, that's where that argument hinges on, right? Yeah. 
Anyways, we, we need to wrap things up yeah, here. Well, I did I did think of this yeah. a, a kind of a creative way to wrap up here because I think we're gonna we're gonna have some listeners like myself who are just trying to figure out you know which of these perspectives kind of in the middle are the right perspective, and then we might we're probably gonna have um, someone like an atheist who's so committed to macroevolution who thinks we're all out to lunch and thinks that there's no way you can deny macroevolution. And then we might have a very conservative Christian thinking, even if you believe in an old universe, you're compromising. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask you, uh, Rob, to explain to a, a very concerned conservative young earth, young universe Christian, why you are not um, going beyond what the text says and why you're still an inerrantist and you still believe that Genesis is history and can come away saying that the universe is old. Explain that to the concerned Christian and then I'm going to have David explain to the concerned atheist why he denies macroevolution to kind of wrap things up. Okay, cool. Well, um, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, I am too. I believe that the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents that were written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, and these eyewitnesses record for supernatural events that are in direct fulfillment to specific prophecies, and they claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. I believe that the Scripture is without error in its original autographer. I believe it's preserved and protected by the Holy Spirit, that what you have in your hand when you take to church, whether it's your King James Bible or your New American Standard Bible, your Young's Literal Translation or any other New American Standard, whatever, New, a New King James or whatever Bible you tote with you, whether it's on an iPad or, or, or a, a tablet or within the covers of a beautifully bound leather book. But, you know, um, you have to use reason when you go and you enter the scriptures. Whenever you go and interpret the scriptures, if you say that the scriptures are the only source of truth. I was debating this last night with somebody in a, in a forum. And um, we, he was going back and forth with me when uh, Michael Ruse and Richard Howe were debating. He's saying that only by God's spirit can you know truth. Well, God gave us logic. Logic is the, the laws of logic and reason have to be applied when you go and you look at Genesis, uh, even John 3:16 for that matter. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you need God's spirit to understand those words? Or do you know what uh, for God so loved the world means? But then you have to dig into the fact of what does it mean when God really loved the world? That's a whole now that's that's when you start getting into interpretation and hermeneutics and all this other stuff. Now, when it comes to understanding the fact that um, there's other tools out there, I'm a classical apologist. I'm a classical cumulative case apologist, meaning the fact that I start with truth. The truth, the fact exists. If truth exists, that God exists. If God exists, then miracles are possible. And miracles are possible. The greatest miracle of all is the fact that God created the very first verse of the book in the beginning God created. And that's where you really need to start. And if you're going to start with somebody, you're going to start witnessing for your faith. Don't start with the Bible if they're not going to be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And as far as the old universe is, I think there's plenty of scientific. We've got Penzias and Wilson and and, and uh, 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 Goot and aboard and, and, and that crew. And then we've got the Hubble telescope. The Hubble telescope is a great scientific tool that has come out over the last several decades. The fact that um, Einstein and uh, was invited to Bell Labs uh, to go and see Hubble's telescope, and he didn't want the universe to have a beginning. I, I think with all the scientific progress that we have, I think God is the one who is the God of the whole show. And the fact that he reveals himself in nature, and he reveals himself in, in, in the creation, and he reveals himself, more importantly, in his word, and he reveals himself in the fact that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins, to die a, a, a horrible death, and rise uh, the third day, according to the scriptures, in, in, in a glorious, um, glorified body, uh, that we might be justified. And I, I think that if you really look at all of this in one nice, neat package, I think we have a battleship that's unsinkable. And if you only go and use some of the tools that are out there and, and, and allow yourself to go a little outside of what the Scripture says, because what you find in the Scripture, you're going to have scientific facts in the Scripture, the fact that, you know, you don't have to worry about the hydrologic cycle, the fact that he wraps up the waters in his cloud 
clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. That's Job 26 and verse 8, and there's a whole lot more out there. But, you know, you have... You got the mind that God gave you. Use it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right, David. All right, man. Why don't you? He took, he took a lot of the time. Man. I'm not going to be that long. Yeah. I don't think the data's there for macroevolution. So if I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to convince somebody uh, right off the bat, right? I mean, all this comes down to volition in the end, right? So I mean, I would start with how Turek starts. If God is real, would you believe in him? And from there, uh, that's where I take it. Um, I, I'm not going to be able to just sit there. I mean, I'm gonna. I don't even have a list in front of me. I can't tell you that. Back in the, I think it was in the 60s, I heard Ross talking about this. They put math, mathematicians and uh, evolutionists together in a conference. And the end result was the math, the math guys were just like, dude, the timetables don't work. And as somebody that's into the astronomy, into the astrophysics of it all, um, you see that. You know what I mean? And the end result of that, that uh, conference was they don't meet anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's been like that. And, okay, so I don't think that the... the the time mechanism is there. Um, and we could get into, I don't believe that any single-celled organism is just, you know, comes out of nowhere. You know, I don't think the Miller experiment was a good experiment. Um, we could go into uh, mitochondrial DNA and find that all the evidence we have suggests a single male and a single female. Um, it, we don't see the progression. We don't have those transitions. Matter of fact, they're pretty confident now that Neanderthals have no part in it. You know, Cro-Magnum is the same species. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, you just, I don't think the evidence is there okay. at all for them to be able to make that. And that that's why I want to keep it short and sweet. I don't have a, a, a list because to do that, I would have to dive into the Yeah, science. we'd have to have a whole yeah. podcast yeah. on that Absolutely. that one, which we might do in the future. But, hey, this was a great in-house discussion. Of course, we're all on the same side trying Absolutely. to uh, defend the Christian worldview. But with within that defense, sometimes we try to work out the nitty-gritties of how it all sorts out between ourselves. So this, this was very helpful for me, and I, I hope it was helpful for everyone who is listening and watching. And we will see you guys next time. thanks for listening to this episode of proselytize or apostatize i hope it was helpful for you in your journey toward truth one thing you can do to really help us out is leave a rating and review it helps other people discover the show this episode was edited by christian sconewald with music by kyle skriloff all right see you guys next time